Chapters twelve through fifteen of the story of the French Revolution by Ernest Belford Bax. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twelve The Trial and Execution of the King. A truce to personal squabbles having been for a moment agreed upon, the convention was proceeding to discuss the new constitution when, on the motion of the mountain, the question of the disposal of the king was declared urgent the popular resentment against the dethroned monarch had been growing for some time past continual addresses from the departments as well as from the paris sections were being received praying for his condemnation the usual legal questions being raised as to the power of any tribunal to try the sovereign it was agreed by the committee appointed to consider the matter that though louis had been inviolable as king of france he was no longer so as the private individual louis capet the mountain vehemently attacked this view saint-just robespierre and others declared that these legal quibbles were an insult to the people's sovereignty that the king had already been judged by virtue of the insurrection and that nothing remained but his condemnation and execution just at this time an iron chest was found behind a panel of the tuileries containing damning proofs of court intrigues with mirabeau and with the immigrant aristocrats also indicating that the war with austria had been urged on with a view to betraying the country and the revolution this naturally gave force to the demand for the immediate condemnation of louis as a traitor to the french and guilty towards humanity the agitation was vigorously sustained in the jacobins club and in the sections and the moderate party in the assembly found itself compelled to give heed to the popular outcry at least up to a certain point the convention by a considerable majority decided against the extreme right who urged the inviolability of the king and also against those mountainists who pressed for condemnation without trial it was determined to bring the ex-king to the bar of the convention the act declaratory of the royal crimes was then prepared meanwhile louis was being strictly guarded in the temple where he had now been confined nearly four months he had recently been separated from his family the commune fearing the concerting of plots of escape only one servant was allotted to the whole family louis amused himself at this time with reading hume's history of england especially the parts relating to charles i on the vote of the convention being declared santerre the commandant of the national guard was commissioned to conduct louis to the bar of the national assembly this took place on the eleventh of december the coach passed through drizzling rains scowling crowds and through streets filled with troops arrived at the hall of the convention the mayor of paris chabot and the procureur chaumette who had sat with the king in the vehicle delivered him over to santerre who had been in attendance outside the latter laying hold of louis by the arm led him to the bar of the convention barrere the president after a moment's delay greeted him with the words louis the french nation accuses you you are now about to hear the act of accusation louis you may sit down there were fifty-seven counts of the indictment relating to acts of despotism conspiracies secret intrigues the flight to varennes and what not on the conclusion of the speech for the prosecution which lasted three hours louis was removed back to his prison he had demanded legal counsel so the convention decided after some discussion to allow his old friend melherbe with two others tronchet and de Caesar, to undertake the office it was the latter who delivered the speech on the day of the defence which consisted partly in the old arguments anent royal inviolability and partly in a statement of louis's services to the people 
the people said de caesar desired that a disastrous impost should be abolished and louis abolished it the people asked for the abolition of servitudes and louis abolished them they demanded reforms and he consented to them etc etc the speech concluded with an eloquent peroration calling upon history to judge the decision of the convention the cowardly girondins although it was well known they had previously been in favour of the king's life did not have the courage at this moment to make a definite stand one way or the other they contented themselves with proposing to declare louis guilty but to leave the question of punishment to the primary assemblies of the people this proposition which would probably have meant civil war was vehemently opposed by the mountain and rejected and the convention after having unanimously voted louis guilty resolved on considering the question of punishment the popular ferment outside the convention was immense and sentence of death was loudly demanded after forty hours the final vote was taken and louis condemned to death without respite i e within twenty-four hours by a majority of twenty-six in an assembly of seven hundred twenty-one in vain did the defenders urge the smallness of the majority the mountain which now for the first time dominated the convention showed itself inexorable on monday the twenty first of january seventeen ninety three the execution took place louis who had taken leave of his family the previous day was awakened at five o'clock shortly after santerre arrived to announce that it was the hour to depart at the same time the murmur of crowds and the rumbling of cannon were heard outside the carriage took upwards of an hour to pass through the streets which were lined with military at length the place de la revolution was reached and louis ascended the scaffold he was beginning to protest his innocence when on the signal of santerre his voice was drowned by the beating of drums the executioner seized him and in a moment all was over the death of louis was probably necessary for the safety of the republic at the time but one cannot help having some pity for one whose worst offences were a certain feebleness and a good nature which made him the ready tool of a cruel unscrupulous and designing woman it should be noted as regards the decree in the convention that unlike the girondins plucky tom paine up to the last manfully voted in the sense in which he had always spoken viz for the life of the king and this at the imminent risk of his own notwithstanding this act a grateful respectability which afterwards tried to exalt the feeble louis into a hero and a martyr has ever since heaped every vile calumny on poor payne's memory chapter thirteen the death struggle between mountain and gironde on the evening of the final vote in the convention on the matter of the king le pelletier de saint Fargeau, a deputy and ex-noble who had voted with the majority was assassinated by an ex-royal guard in a cafe on the thursday following he received a public funeral his remains being interred in the pantheon of great men the convention municipality and all the revolutionary societies followed in a body this was the last united action of the various parties the feud between mountain and gironde broke out with renewed fury after the temporary cessation the quarrel was intensified out of doors by the old but ever-increasing lack of the necessaries of life especially of bread the queue at the baker's shops assumed more formidable dimensions developing into mobs and devastating provision shops marat had suggested in his journal that a few of the forestallers who were helping to keep up the price of bread should be hanged at the doors of baker's shops 
the crowds dressed in carmagnole or merely ragged maddened by hunger danced the more wildly to the well-known strains vive le son du canon day and night groups of these revolutionary revellers might be met along the thoroughfares meanwhile the sound of the cannon was going on with vigour and to the honour and glory of france dumouriez had invaded and conquered the netherlands and the jacobins and other revolutionary bodies had sent missionaries to the newly annexed provinces but the powers great and small finding themselves and the aristocratic monarchic order they represented being beaten all along the line drew closer together and made new levies england spain italy austria prussia the small german states hurled new and gigantic armaments into the breach the convention answered in its turn by a fresh levy of three hundred thousand men but danton and the mountain demanded at the same moment that while external enemies were being fought internal enemies should not be neglected they proposed that a tribunal composed of nine members should judge without jury and without appeal the tribunal was instituted but the jury added dumouriez now sustained some reverses in his invasion of holland he was ordered back into belgium but this did not satisfy the mountain and the jacobins who had for long looked askance at dumouriez as a girondist partisan and became now more convinced than ever that he was working in the interest of the faction and that the defeat was due to treachery the girondin ministers and generals were the objects of the bitterest resentment so high did the feeling run that a conspiracy was set on foot to assassinate the leading men of the party in the convention on the night of the tenth of march the conspirators it is alleged actually set out but the plan miscarried owing to its betrayal beforehand to the persons threatened vergniaud the great girondin orator denounced the plot next day in the assembly and the advanced parties were for a moment checked but the news of the spread of the aristocratic revolt in the district of the loire known as la vendee quickly enabled them to regain their ascendancy the vendee was a district in which there were no large towns and consequently hardly any middle class or proletariat it was a district inhabited almost exclusively by peasants priests and nobles and consequently altogether out of touch with the objects of the revolution the peasantry still venerated their old masters and hated the new middle class the immediate cause of the fresh outbreak however was the new levy in paris the feeling against moderates and half-hearted friends at the republic waxed greater than ever the new revolutionary tribunal redoubled its activity following upon the bad news from the vendee came that of further and still more serious reverses in belgium on the part of dumouriez and what was worse indisputable evidence of intrigues with the austrians to re-establish the monarchy in the person of the duc de chartres the young son of philippe d'orleans Egalité, the king's cousin and member of the mountain party this duc de chartres at that time a lieutenant of dumouriez became subsequently louis philippe king of the french dumouriez almost immediately after openly proclaimed his intention of marching upon paris to subdue the revolution but he did not succeed any better than lafayette his predecessor in the same course his troops although attached to him personally hesitated at treachery to the republic the same with the officers the convention was energetic it sent four commissioners among them the minister of war to summon the traitor-general to the bar of the convention he not only refused to come but handed over the commissioners as hostages to the austrians 
after a further fruitless attempt to seduce the army he sought refuge with the duc de chartres and a few other officers in the austrian camp and from this time history knows him no more dumouriez's defection drove the last nail into the coffin of the girondist power there is a well-known proverb that those whom the gods would destroy they first make mad this was certainly exemplified in the present case for the girondins had already before their general dumouriez's escape had become known alienated the leading mountainist who had been in favour of reconciliation between the two parties danton to wit by unsubstantiated insinuations and now when dumouriez's desertion had been for days past a topic of discussion and declamation amongst the paris sections they succeeded amid scenes of violent disorder in the convention in getting a decree of indictment launched against marat on the ground of the paragraph about the forestallers the people's friend was accordingly brought before the revolutionary tribunal the girondists vainly attempting to pack the jury after a trial lasting two days he was acquitted amid the acclamations of the audience and carried in triumph by the populace into the hall of the convention girondism was henceforth plainly a lost cause so far as peaceful and legal action was concerned its only hope lay in an insurrection of the departments this also as we shall see was destined to failure meanwhile custine dampierre and other generals were sent to reorganize the armies of dumouriez but for the next few weeks the main attention of all patriots was directed to one object the destruction of the girondist faction chapter fourteen concerning matters economic amid all this contention the mountain aided by economic pressure succeeded in forcing through some important administrative and too great economic measures in addition to the revolutionary tribunal two powerful committees were established which in the end practically assumed all the executive functions of a dictatorial ministry these were the committee of general security consisting of twenty-one members and the committee of public safety consisting of nine members the ministers themselves being subject to these committees the economic measures referred to were first the law of maximum by means of which at a stroke the starvation and misery previously existing were allayed the law of maximum enacted a fixed price for breadstuffs above which it was penal to sell them to avert the possibility of the dealers refusing to sell at all it was made compulsory upon them to do so they were moreover obliged to furnish accurate accounts of their stock which could if desirable be peremptorily checked by the authorities the law was subsequently extended to all the necessaries of life the other economic measure forced through the convention by the jacobins and the mountain was a progressive income tax on an ascending scale in addition to these there was a forced loan of a milliard for war purposes levied on the wealthy classes the girondists and the plain of course shrieked and kicked at these glaring infringements of the laws of political economy and the rights of property but the middle-class factions though nominally dominant were not really so and were hence unable to resist the force of the popular demand for decisive steps in the direction of greater economic equality the law of maximum and the progressive income tax are the only two measures of a directly socialistic tendency which have ever been practically applied and they were applied with complete success and yet it is strange that at least the first of these measures when proposed nowadays is viewed by many socialists with indifference not to say suspicion 
it only shows how in economics as in other things the rags of old superstitions unconsciously survive in us those who have triumphed over the old-fashioned bourgeois fallacies of the wickedness and inutility of interfering with the sacred laws of political economy by direct legislative interference with the freedom of production still wince at the notion of direct legislative interference with freedom so called of exchange an eight-hour law is an excellent thing but a maximum by which the eight-hour workman is protected from the extortions of monopoly and the power of industrial and commercial capital to raise prices guarding itself against the effects of competition by rings and corners this is a very doubtful thing indeed in the present day of course a law of maximum would be of very little use unless supplemented by a law of minimum i e a law fixing a minimum wage and we may add parenthetically the eight hours working day would in all probability also prove itself a questionable boon if unaccompanied by both these provisos but in france at the end of the last century it was not so the petite industrie prevailed everywhere except in the large towns where the workshop system had obtained a footing though even there without having by any means entirely supplanted the smaller production the law of maximum alone was therefore sufficient to meet all requirements scarcity and want there was still but it was a scarcity and want due for the most part to other than remediable social conditions bad harvest the devastations of foreign invasion and civil war had reduced france to the lowest ebb the law of maximum saved it with the two francs a day which was voted at a subsequent period as the allowance of every attendant at the primary assemblies of the sections or wardships of which there were forty-four thousand in all france the problem of the unemployed was solved for the nonce the number of the unemployed in all trades ministering to the luxuries of the rich may be imagined and a measure of this kind was absolutely essential the net result of the interference by the convention with the laws of political economy is well expressed by carlyle where he declares that there is no period to be met in which the general twenty-five million of france suffered less than in this period which they name reign of terror time was as yet not ripe for the great constructive movement of modern socialism and hence the merely remedial treatment here explained was all that could even be attempted the great fact to be noted is that for the first time in history the cry for material and social equality as opposed to mere political and legal equality became definitely articulate that cry has often enough since been smothered but has always made itself heard again at short intervals the party of the mountain and the jacobins the Bebeuf conspiracy the chartist movement the days of june eighteen forty eight the commune of eighteen seventy one are all so many stages in the awakening of the proletariat to the full consciousness of itself which it attains in modern socialism chapter fifteen the fall of the gironde apart from the laws referred to in the last chapter which were with difficulty forced through the legislature by the mountain the six weeks which elapsed between the acquittal of marat and the second of june the day of the extinction of the girondist power were fruitful in nothing but a progressive mutual exacerbation of the two parties petitions and deputations began to pour in praying for the expulsion and even condemnation of some twenty-two of the leading girondists on the tenth of may the convention shifted its quarters from the old riding school to the tuileries the avenues to the new convention hall were continually blocked by sans-culottes the breechless 
the name given to the party of the people since the emeute of the twenty first of june seventeen ninety two when among other emblems a pair of black breeches had been paraded in token of the want of these commodities by the working classes of france at last the girondins made up their minds for a dashing stroke gadet suddenly moved the immediate suppression of the commune its place to be filled ad interim by the presidents of the sections the transference of the legislation to bourges with the smallest possible delay and the dispatch of the decree into the provinces by expresses the mountain was taken unawares and it is possible if the girondists had had the courage to proceed to action immediately they might have been successful but this they did not dare do in face of the urgency of the situation on the frontier well knowing that civil war would be the outcome indeed it is doubtful whether they could have in any case obtained a majority in the assembly under the circumstances barere proposed as a compromise the establishment of a commission of twelve members to inquire into the conduct of the municipality to search out the plots of the jacobins and to arrest suspected persons the proposition was accepted and the commission established under the pretense of having discovered a new conspiracy it immediately proceeded to imprison several prominent persons among them being the secretary of the commune hébert editor of the père duchesne newspaper this at once excited immense popular indignation deputation followed deputation demanding hébert's release the commune the mountainist mayor pache at its head placed itself in permanent connection with the committees of the sections which together with the clubs of the jacobins and cordeliers declared themselves in permanent session on the twenty seventh of may the rising of paris against the convention began the commune presented itself before the convention in a body demanding the release of hébert its chief secretary and the suppression of the girondist commission deputies from the sections followed all calling for its suppression and some for the arrest of its members the girondist president isnard met these demands with the threat that the departments should be raised and paris annihilated so that the wayfarer would have to inquire on which side of the seine paris had stood a reply which became the signal for a general revolt of the mountain the hall was now the scene of violent confusion in which swords and pistols were drawn and during which the crowd poured in the upshot being that isnard was compelled to leave the chair and make way for the mountainist and friend of danton hérault de seychelles hérault at once replied conceding the demands of the petitioners the mountain had won the day hébert's arrest was annulled and the commission suppressed amid the acclamation of the populace the next day the girondists with suicidal folly succeeded by a scratch majority in re-establishing the commission on the ground that the proceedings of the previous day had been irregular a veritable yell of indignation from clubs sections and municipality greeted this resolution robespierre danton marat chaumette and pache constituted themselves into an informal committee to organize anew the movement on the thirtieth the clubs and sections publicly declared themselves in a state of insurrection their delegates to the number of ninety-six entering the hotel de ville and as a matter of form annulling the municipality as a legally constituted body but immediately reinstating its members in their functions under insurrectionary auspices mayor pache was sent to report the matter to the convention while Henriot, the new commandant of the national guard called upon the sections to be ready for action at any moment the sans-culottes to be allowed two francs a day so long as they remained under orders early the following morning the thirty-first 
the tocsin was rung and the general beat and the armed sections were assembled and marched upon the tuileries the signal for the insurrection was an alarm cannon which was fired just as mayor pache was making his report and it must be admitted trying to hoodwink the legislature with the pretence that he was not privy to the proceedings the consternation in the assembly at the ominous sound was general danton rushed to the tribune to demand anew the suppression of the commission all the leading mountainists did the same the majority still hesitated deputations now began to arrive thick and fast till all the gangways were blocked up by excited crowds the suppression of the commission and the arrest of its members and of the other leading girondists was loudly demanded on all sides various propositions were being discussed when the report spread that the tuileries were surrounded by armed forces and the convention no longer free even some members of the mountain winced at this outrage on the national sovereignty at length it was decided that the assembly should march out in a body and confront the insurgents this was done Hérault de seychelles leading the way they were met by henriot on horseback at the head of the armed bands brandishing a sabre the people want not phrases he said but the arrest of twenty-two traitors two cannons were immediately pointed straight at the convention which prudently retired all the other exits from the tuileries gardens were found to bristle equally with pikes and sabres so there was nothing for it but to go back again into the hall the popular demands were no longer opposed Marat, who had been the life and soul of the whole movement throughout now dictated the names of the proscribed and the form of the resolution from the tribune all the leading girondins including the twelve forming the commission were placed under arrest upon the result being known outside the insurgents quickly dispersed thus perished girondism ever since the tenth of august the nominal power in the state had been in the hands of the girondist party although as we have seen the real power was very far from being so henceforth they were a proscribed faction whose members at last thought themselves lucky if they could find a corner of france in which to conceal themselves End of chapters twelve through fifteen